Welcome to Grounded in the Word. Here in this podcast, our concern is all about the foundation or the soil of our hearts. The state of the soil or the state of our hearts, the foundation that we build upon determines everything. Just as it is with the building, if the foundation is not right, then the rest of the building will follow in suit. It will not be right. It will be unsafe, unsteady. Or if the soil that a seed is planted in is not good or pure soil, then what is grown, what is birthed from that seed will not be good, will not be pure. So we need to make sure that our foundation and our soil is good and right and pure. And that's all that we are concerned about here is just making sure that what we are planting in, the seed that we are receiving, making sure that it's going into good soil and making sure that which we are building up is built on a good foundation. I pray that you join us in this endeavor to ensure that that foundation and ensure that that soil is good. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, I want to thank each and every one of you who are tuning in for, in fact, tuning in. Um, Pastor Fisher and I are very excited about these and uh, the potential that they have, uh, the potential reach, the potential influence, the potential impact. Um, Just the possibilities that are you know, that, that these episodes and this podcast as a whole represents and what it, you know, what it, what it could be. Um, so real quick, as we dive into part four of our foundation discussion, still keeping in line at the present moment, talking about the creation of man. And, you know, I foresee this topic lasting a few episodes because it's such a it's such a profound and deep topic. Think about it like this. As Pastor Fisher and I discussed in previous episodes, um, everything preceding the creation of man was simply laying the groundwork and creating the atmosphere for man. So man was the ultimate uh, goal of that creation. God created creation for man. Right. Um, But, you know, we could even take that one step further because we already have this emphasis on man because the atmosphere was created for man. But then you have, you know, not taking taking it beyond creation, taking it beyond Genesis. The entire Bible is structured around God's desire to be in unity with man, to be in relationship with man. And we're going to get into that a little bit today, that, that, relation, that relational aspect. Um, but so we have 66 books that are purely centered around the relationship between God and humanity. Right. We have so much emphasis on it. So if, it, if the Bible as a whole puts so much emphasis on humanity and laying the foundation... It bears great examination and discussion. Uh, it's truly an imperative thing to discuss. 
Um, not saying that, and this is where we need to make an important distinction, I believe. Um, I'm not saying that we need to endeavor to understand ourselves from a carnal perspective. That can go down a lot of wrong holes, wrong rabbit trails. Um, that can lead you to um, edging on glorifying the flesh. But we need to understand who God created us to be. And the, 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 the reason for our being. And that's what's so important about discussing the creation of man. Um, real quick though, I want to give a quick summary uh, regarding what has been discussed so far. So in part one of the foundation, I began by laying the groundwork, examining Genesis 1, 1 through 3, um, talking about in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, talking and talking about how the essence of who God is is, is life, how he turned chaos into order, turned something that was void of life and unable to sustain life into a life-giving atmosphere. But then also how he, this, this light that he let shine forth and how light is life itself. So all that God is and all that God does is life. And that's the essence of his being. Uh, in him there is no death because sin is death and in him there is no sin. Um, and then in the previous two episodes, Pastor Fisher and I began diving into the creation of man, specifically what is contained in Genesis 1, 26 through 27. And at the end of the previous episode, we started to um, get into Genesis 2, 7. But we're actually going to take a step back here for just a minute. Um, and we're going to revisit Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Because there are still a few issues, not, not issues, that's not, the right, that's not the right word. There are still a few key points uh, that, that we both feel are pertinent to discuss and convey and lay the groundwork for. Because again, this segment is all about the foundation. And there are several key foundational truths contained within these two verses. Um, the first, um, so we have this idea, so um, I'm going to read Genesis 1. 26 through 27 real quick then god said let us make man in our in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth god created man in his own image in the image of god he created him male and female he created them so time time and time again throughout these two verses we have reiterated this truth that we were created in the image of god the scope of that is incredibly vast. And in truth, we really probably wouldn't be able to fully dissect what exactly that means. In truth, you could probably devote hundreds of episodes to that one, that one doctrinal statement that we were creating his image. There's so much that could be expounded upon that. Um, but there, there, there is one key thing, and I truly believe it is key, because again, it's something that is reiterated all throughout the Bible. Um, one key thing that I truly believe we, that would be beneficial for us to pull from this 
is the relational, relational aspect of being created in his image. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, if we jump ahead, and we're going to come back to this later on, we're just jumping ahead just for quick reference. Genesis 3, verse 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and the wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What's so important about that? Well, the scripture, the context implies that this was a habitual meeting between God and humanity. God showed up to the garden expecting communion and fellowship with Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve knew that God was coming to the garden, so they hid. Um, and so we have, and obviously what's presented in Genesis 3 is a very negative turn in these events, but what we learn here, based off what is implied, is the truth that even from the very beginning, God had established regular communion and relationship with Adam and Eve, with humanity, with his creation. Um, and one of the foundational aspects of his creation of humanity. And then, then all throughout the Old Testament, and, it, and it's presented in different, in different uh, books by different authors, different genres, all throughout the, the Old Testament. And I'm paraphrasing here, of course, but we, we are presented with this idea, this truth, that God does not desire ritualistic obedience. He never desired that. What he desires is genuine, heartfelt, sincere devotion. Right. Um, and, and what's key to understanding that is contained within devotion is still obedience. Um, but as the, um, as the Apostle John says in his first epistle, um, the, the, to love God is to obey his commandments. Right. And it is not burdensome, right. implying that you can obey his commandments for a season without love. Mm -hmm. But without love at the center of that obedience, which is sincere devotion, that, that obedience becomes burdensome. And you can only bear a burden for so long before the weight becomes too great and you drop it. Right. And so love is the thing that makes obedience light, or maybe not even light, because there is still a particular weight to obedience, right. but it makes it bearable. Jesus says to take um, his yoke upon us right. um, and to bear his weight and to bear his burden, and that his burden is easy and it's light. Jesus never said that there wouldn't be a yoke, that there wouldn't be a burden, but he said it would be bearable for us. Right. Um, and so obedience is still, there's still a particular weight to it, but by his grace through love, that, that weight, it's not something that is a burden to bear, but something that is a joy to right. carry. And notice the difference there, bearing something versus carrying something. Right. Because bearing something is something that's placed upon you, mm -hmm. while carrying is something is something you choose to do. Right. It's a choice. It's a willing endeavor. Um, and then, obviously, in 1 John 4, we are, and this is another truth, another principle that is presented to us largely throughout the New Testament, very emphatically, but very succinctly in 1 John 4, 
John demonstrates how God is love. He says that very specifically in 1 John 4, 8, and 16. But the entire passage, which I believe is 7 through 21, is all about this, this key aspect, this core aspect of God that is love. And so we, we come to this, to this understanding. Again, this is presented all throughout the Bible. Those are just three really quick and simple references. But we come to this understanding we come to this truth that is presented to us all throughout the Bible that he is a God who desires intimate relationship and right. desires that, that connection, that communion. Right. Um, and so being made in his image, mm -hmm. that same relational key aspect of who he is is imputed to us mm -hmm. and placed into us. And so... And it's a key aspect, the core aspect of who we are. And so I feel it pertinent to um, take a moment to discuss that. Um, it, it maybe not spending the entire episode on it, but maybe so if that's what we feel, feel led to do. But at least taking a, a decent moment here and laying the groundwork for that. And this is something we'll obviously in Genesis chapter 2 we'll come back to this in relation to ship in relation to the relationship between man and man, or man and woman, between right. humanity in general. Right. Um, so if you want to begin, Pastor Fisher, and kind of take us down our deep dive of this relational aspect of being made in his image. Well, you said it very well. You could take a um, deep study, I mean, just on the very surface, the shallow surface of this, you could make it, write books about it. Um, you could talk about this for years, um, let alone doing going really deep on it because it is a core, I believe it's a core fundamental thing that God was trying to, as you said, impute into humanity, um, that it's this relational um, idea. And the, the first thing that I think about just let's bring this to the 21st century. Um, what happened in the garden um, between Adam and Eve and the serpent uh, removed and, and chiseled a, a piece away from their relationship with God. Mm -hmm. um, and it's amazing how you can have a seamless walk with God, but let me, like I said, let's throw this in the 21st century. Um, because there are, there are some factors at play that try to remove um, remove us from that relationship with God. Um, so take somebody that has been faithful, that is a good steward, is faithful to the house of God, uh, faithful to their family, faithful to the, the man of, or woman of God over them, uh, submitted, um, again, loves God with all their heart, comes to church. They make a mistake they succumb to the temptation of the flesh right. in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. Immediately, shame sets in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're not above that because as long as we live in the flesh, the flesh is going to uh, flare up. Mm -hmm. So immediately, shame sets in. So when that happens, immediately we find somebody that has been faithful for decades all of a sudden starts to miss church. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Let's go back and look at Adam and Eve in the garden. Once they took that bite of that fruit, 
they shame and guilt set in. And as you said previously and previously stated, they knew the time that God was coming. Mm -hmm. They knew when God was going to move in the garden. They knew when they, he wanted to talk to them. So again, 21st century, this faithful saint of God knows that there's a time set aside to go to church and God wants to commune with his people. Not that that's the only time, but that is an orchestrated time that we come and they remove themselves from it. Yeah. So essentially, somebody that misses church is doing the same thing that Adam and Eve are by hiding in the bushes. Mm. They're stepping away from the relationship. So that's why they may not be able to see it at the time, but leadership, hopefully, and, and typically we feel that burden because we see the effect of where that goes after that. Yeah. So forsake not the assembling of yourselves together is more than just, way more than just a statement. It is a life preserver that's being tossed out mm. to preserve your relationship. Mm. So we, we shouldn't allow people to sabotage their own relationship just because they are feeling shame or guilt. That is not a, a life-ending um, uh, call on, on, their, on their spiritual walk with God. But relations, relational, uh, being any ministry needs to be relational because it's meant to preserve relationship. We cannot, the Bible says, and, and shows us through many accounts that we cannot adequately love God if we do not love our neighbor. Mm -hmm. Right. Actually, the way that we show our love to God is by showing. Jesus said, "If you do this unto those when they say you love me, but." I didn't see you clothe the naked and right, yes. feed the, the hungry and, and take care of the widows and the orphans. And their reaction was, God, you're here. We want to take care of you. Well, you're taking care of me by taking care of the least. Mm -hmm. So how we, we show love and to along the lines of what you just said about um, going into 1 John 4 where it talks about God is love, the adequate sense that we understand love is because God first loved us. Right. Yeah. But then also um, that burden that we carry or the burden that we bear, um, it's not heavy because if you take something that to some is grievous and is burdensome and is hard, you take something for somebody that's like that, but you put it to somebody else that loves, does it in love, mm -hmm. what you love should become enjoyable. That's right. Yeah. So when you love it, it brings joy. Mm -hmm. And it's the, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Mm -hmm. So when you carry something in love, it should be producing a strength that will help you. Mm -hmm. So if you're not feeling strengthened in that, display of relationship yeah then i would question not how heavy is it the burden that you're carrying it's there it's it's never too heavy for you to carry mm -hmm. it's in what manner are you carrying it mm -hmm. are you carrying it in the flesh or are you carrying it in the spirit mm -hmm. so the relational side of it i believe is is the very again foundational um premise of how what god was trying to establish in the garden again created the atmosphere for man to dwell 
and all of this was was for humanity for this he knows the end from the beginning setting everything in motion um, and uh, setting up the dominion to rule uh, the fact of the matter that when he breathed in the Adam again gave him the breath of life that pneuma that speech begin to the thing that separated him from everybody else is that he had a, a tongue that worked mm -hmm. that began to speak well life and death are in the power of the tongue mm -hmm. so where the word of a king is there's power well where the word is where they're spoken when god spoke to that void and created light and darkness from darkness and chaos that was the same dominion that he then passed to man mm -hmm. that man can operate in that and it was meant to not ever supersede but there to be a relational connection between the two because it was like you said in his image yeah and that forever connection yeah and i think um i think tying into that i think that that topic of um dominion i think that's an important one uh, because again Creating his in his image, he created all things, and thereby being the creator of all things, he has power over all things. He has authority over all things, um, and there's another avenue that I think would be pertinent for us to go down to. We can go down here here in a second, not right now, but the the premise um, laid out for us throughout the Bible of him being our father. Right, father of all creation, in which we we can come back to that. But keeping on this dominion aspect for a moment here because um, I think that's really really important because again he is the creator of all things he has authority over all things and we mentioned this um, and I believe it was part two of the foundation about how uh, the creation was brought forth with his voice therefore creation recognizes his voice mm -hmm. Um, and so when he calls out, creation responds because it recognizes the voice that created it. Right. Um, and so that goes back to, well, that, 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 that demonstrates to us a multiplicity of things. Yes. Um, because one, that demonstrates to us that, again, he has power and authority um, over the thing that he mm -hmm. created. But two, two that also demonstrates that he created out of a heart of love. Mm -hmm. Because since he created out of a heart of love, when he calls, creation willingly call, answers. Right. Meaning it is, not, it is not fearful of him, mm -hmm. but it, 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 it receives that invitation from him with his voice and willingly responds right. to it in joy and gladness and, and readiness. Right. And that's like... In the triumphal entry, as recorded in Luke, I believe it was, um, they're going through the city of Jerusalem, and the Pharisees uh, um, went up to him and said, you need to stop your disciples. And he said, if these stopped worshiping the, rock, the very rock, would cry out, the very, the most inanimate, void of life, thing and all of creation literally all it's good for is being in the way that's all that they, a rock has no other purpose than just to be there right. and if it's big enough it's hard to get out of the way right. um, and so it really has no succinct purpose but there is a purpose for it because mm -hmm. even the most inanimate object in all of creation offers praise why? because it was created out of love 
And if you study out praise, praise is directly tied into thankfulness. Right. Um, and so due to that, that heart of love that it was created through, it then offers a thankfulness, a, gr- a grateful heart right. in, in response to that loveful created state. Um, but that's kind of off topic a little bit. Um, that's okay. When, when you said there was a multiplicity of things to go, there was a lot of things that you could spiral off oh, yes. from that because, because it's a foundational yeah. topic, but yet it's one that's interwoven into the fabric of the reason yeah. why we were created. Um, and to your point, um, just real quick and you, yes. know, you can move on. Um, the, we have to get past the, the lens that the world has polluted mm. where they call father, they call men fathers mm-hmm. that are not fathers. Mm. They're, they're, they're present, but they're not fathers. Mm. They're, the relationship has been uh, inadequate, mm-hmm. to say the least. So the world's if we if we look purely at the world's view of what a father is, then we're not we're missing the whole thing. The model and the image after that is not that uh, um, is not that we're modeling after somebody else, but we're modeling after again. We got to go back to the foundation and model ourselves after Him. Mm-hmm. I I told my son that when I pray, I wanted him to have a similar prayer um, when he prays every night that it's um, the very start of my prayer is that God would make me a better husband. Mm -hmm. God would make me a better son. Mm -hmm. God would make me a better father. I mean, whatever relationship that I have with others, I want to be better at. Yeah. So it's father is one of those that it's in the correct viewpoint. It is not diminishing or provoking or um, wrathful. Mm -hmm but it is based in love mm-hmm. and to fully understand. And I, I guess I felt to say this before we move further to fully understand the, the substance of what we're talking about as far as the relational relationship of the, we can talk about the title as the father son, but you get into the title again on just the shallow surface that what's that title mm-hmm. description, not just how it relates to the, the humanity but the role of that title. So we have to understand it through God and see it through God's eyes, not how the world views it. Right. Or th- view it through the, the damaged sense of our own past mm-hmm. or, or your own, um, as a hero of this podcast, through your own relationship with your father that may be, uh, be lacking in the image that God is displaying. You need to measure everything to God, not to Absolutely. what man has done. Absolutely. I read, uh, I read in a book once, um, I believe it was called Winning the War in Your Mind. Um, good book. Um, I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to say I would recommend everyone read it. Um, there were some parts of it that, you know, I do not 100% agree with, but a large part of the premise of the book was very good. And one of the one of the things that the author wrote about, and the, the name of the author escapes me at this present moment, um, but one of the things that he wrote it about is, and he quote, I believe he quoted a scientific study on it, is that 
an individual's experience, like personal experience with their own earthly father Mm -hmm. heavily impacts their view of God. Because, you know, the Bible demonstrates and presents the truth to us that he is our father. Mm -hmm. Uh, Malachi said, how have we not all one father? Or is it Mike? I believe it's Malachi. I think so. Yeah. Um, one of the M's. <laughs> um, but it, it is the, how we not all one Father and has not one Lord created us. And, and it's interesting how even, even for someone who may not have a firm relationship with Jesus or really know a whole lot about him or the Bible or understand that he is, that he is our Father, even, even if they may not understand that, there is still an innate understanding, uh, instinctual understanding within them that their earthly father is meant to be a representative of their heavenly father. Even if they don't actually fully comprehend that, there is an innate thing within them right. that that makes that connection. And they understand that that this is that, that this relationship should parallel it should be in like fashion and so when this relationship is out of alignment when this relationship is poor when this relationship is is absent right that then translates over into this relationship because that relationship set the precedent right but it should be as you said the opposite this relationship, of course, you listening can't see my hand motions, but right. there are different hand motions here. Right. You've got to trust me on this. But this relationship with God, with God our Father, is meant to set the precedent right. for all others to compare to, not our experience right. to set the precedent. And this is, and I think we should run down this rabbit trail for just a minute, because I think this is a really important key thing to understand, is... How easy it is for our experience to taint mm-hmm. our view of something pertaining to God. Right. We could use that again, you know, with the relationship of, of the Father. Mm-hmm. Um, someone's relationship with their own earthly father has the potential to either um, aid or hinder right. their view of God. Um, but we could also take this and run with it in, 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 in uh, correlation to love, as we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Someone's experience with what someone else defined as love, right. if it was tainted, if it was abusive, if it was uh, toxic. It becomes redefined. Yeah, and, but right. that is that because of their experience. That now becomes their definition of love, even if that quote unquote love has absolutely no basis in what love truly is. But it's their experience. As human beings, we are extremely experiential. We allow experience to define truth for us, which in part, there is validity to that. But there are also things that are meant to be set in stone apart from what is experienced. Right. Um, and, and if you want to say anything yeah. to that. Well, in the, like you said, experience, it has validity. So in the spirit, spiritual things, mm-hmm. 
there's an experience. Right, absolutely. There's, there's a precedent. Yes. Um, there's foundational things that God sets in motion, that He etches in stone, that uh, forever, O Lord, Thy word is settled in heaven. It's it's settled. It's not going to change. It's It's been given once. He's not going to rewrite it. He's, he's not going to repent of it. This is His word. But um, I think what happens is, again, experience... Uh, let's take the essence of that word. It's it's based in the past. Mm-hmm. So experience is based on what happened in your past. Right. And what holds us hostage is moving forward. We're caught in the crossfire between your past and your future. And you're trying to move forward in the future, but you're holding on to your experience more than likely. And this is where spiritual experience and flesh experience, you got to differentiate between the two. Right. Because the flesh, the carnal experience, that typically is is past-based and you've got to be able to let that go and have that moment where you say, God, whatever you have for me in the future, I'm going to separate right now that I'm not holding on to anything. So how else can he create a new thing? How can he... How can that rhema word, that creative word come in and do a new thing if you're holding on... Mm. To the past. Mm. Pastor Lane told us, um, when I was getting ready to say, told a story, but it's not a story, it's a real account. He was ministering. This little girl had, I believe the story went that she had a kidney that was failing or only had one kidney or a kidney was taken out. And they went and prayed for her. She went back to the doctor and the doctor was asking what surgeon she went to see. There was a new kidney in her wow. that wasn't there before. Mm. It was a new thing. Yeah. So in our flesh, in our mind, we could rationalize that. If the if think if they would have rationalized their prayer away mm. and said, if I can find somewhere that a doctor has given this diagnosis before and this has happened and it just this miracle had been based and this this had happened, then I'll believe it. And then I'll begin to pray and fast for it. Then I'll begin to speak it. But you don't have time for that. Right. The necessity for miracles are now. And you've got to be able to step into the future, not holding on to the precedent set before, and allow God to take you where he, only He can take you. Because that's the difference between, we talked in previous session, or previous episodes about the mysterious and the miraculous. Right, yes. So that's when you step into the miraculous, you're operating in faith. Mm-hmm. That God is doing a new thing, but it's future-based. Mm-hmm not past-based. Our experience with Him gives us foundation. But experience in the flesh is that sand, that muck and mire that you could try to build a house on, but eventually it's going to fall because it cannot stand up to the power that God has ready to move forward. But it's it's future-based. It's stepping into that. And I think that's that's a key distinction. And again, going back to that precedent that He declares the end from the beginning... And how he is standing at the end, like looking backward toward us, declaring things over us. I think that's a key distinction because that, going back to your point, that is a key factor in understanding that spiritual experience is future-based. Because Mm -hmm. he's in the future, he's at the end, calling to us, speaking over us, reaching for us. And so when we... When we, when we partake of those spiritual things, when we reach for those spiritual things, we are, we are not reaching even just in the moment. 
Right. We're not reaching in the present. We're not reaching in the past, but we are reaching forward right. and grabbing hold of a, of a future thing and pulling right. it into our present. Right. And by pulling it into our, our present, we partake of the future, which then pulls us out of right. present situation, present circumstance, uh, uh, present what trouble, present trial, whatever it may be. Uh, or maybe even if, because the Bible demonstrates to us that God will not always necessarily pull us out of our trial, but he'll give us strength to endure it. It's as he spoke to the Apostle Paul, who pleaded three times to remove the thorn in his flesh. Right. He said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Well, that great, that's what Paul said, I'll all the more gladly boast in my weakness. Right. That was Paul in that moment reaching forward mm-hmm. for a spiritual experience, which, which was the grace of God, which gave him power in the present tribulation, right. which helped him to endure with gladness, with right. rejoicing. Right. But without, without that spiritual experience, and, uh, and again, as we demonstrated the difference between mysterious and miraculous, too often we mention the spiritual and people start to get, you think we're getting spooky. Spooky. But again, John four twenty four, God is spirit. So right. anything he does is spiritual. Right. And again, and we'll demonstrate this as we get into Genesis chapter 2, we, well, okay, we'll get into it right now. We are creating his image. Mm-hmm. God is spirit. Right. Meaning there was a part of that, and again, this is perfectly demonstrated in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, but there was a part of that nature, mm-hmm. a part of that being that was then imputed to us. Right. We were not purely meant to be flesh, carnal. We, there was a part of us that was meant to be spiritual. Right. But because of sin, because of death, that, that, that aspect that was from him and connected to him and forever intertwined with him became void and, and of non-existent. Right. Because, because of sin, think of it this way, because of sin, it reversed the uh, order of submission. Mm. Because in the garden, the, the flesh was submitted to the spirit. They walked with God. They, mm-hmm. I mean... They had dominion over everything, and mm-hmm. the the life in the garden was was fantastic. Yeah, but the flesh was submitted to the spirit. Once sin entered, then the spirit became submitted to the flesh mm. because the flesh rose up. Mm-hmm. Because now the will has changed. Mm-hmm. Because now they took their own will. They 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 disobeyed. Mm-hmm. When disobedient disobedience to God is putting your will above His. Plain right. and simple. Yeah. Yep. So any time that you put your will in front of His, you're you're disobeying in in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. So what sin did was it just changed the level and order of submission. Mm-hmm. So the way you get that back is, and this is why fasting is discredited across the world, but because it's nobody preaches on gluttony, <laughs> but nobody also preaches on fasting. That's true. Much. They just hope they balance out. <laughs> right. <laughs> But w- both can kill you. Oh, sure. yeah. But at the same time, it's there's a level of submission that you got to get your flesh under submission. Mm-hmm. So fasting is one of those tools that God gives that everybody wants to circumvent. That it is a natural thing that will put the flesh because 
again, think of it this way. The flesh is natural. Mm -hmm. Right. The flesh is not mysterious. No. You live in your flesh. You can pinch your flesh right now and you'll hurt. You'll, I mean, you're not dreaming. You're not dreaming. You're here. So the flesh is natural. Right. So we discredit fasting because we want the spiritual things. We want to come to church, have a move of God. We want the Shekinah glory to fall in the sanctuary. We want to feel the brush of angels' wings to the point of we want a supernatural experience to come in and deliver us from our flesh. Right. To a point. Yeah. That will happen. But there are things naturally that God lines up in place to take care of the natural things in our life. Mm hmm so fasting there again submits the flesh back to the spirit mm -hmm. so it puts everything back in order again genesis chapter one in your first episodes it's talking about the order the foundation mm -hmm. the, the reason that god goes god is a god of order he's a god mm -hmm. of meticulous planning knows yes. the end from the beginning and if you're using the image you just set forward god is at the end the finish line looking back on us what we see as a first-time miracle that blew our mind. He at the finish line is seeing, you may think you're alone, same as Elisha mm -hmm. or Elijah. You may think you're the only prophet, right. but I've got all these over here that right. I've created this for, created that for, given this miracle, given this word. You think you're the only one, but you're just the only one of that time. Right. Yep. But I'm at the finish line, and I've, I've done this for all these people. Yep. So, again shifting that lens to see what God has in, in store and looking towards the future. In Hebrews 11, it talks about the those patriarchs of old yes. who through faith subdued kingdoms, right. wrought righteousness, mm -hmm. um, closed, uh, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of, mouths of lions. They did all that because they were looking to the future. Mm -hmm. They tapped into something that was beyond their natural circumstance mm -hmm. and they stepped into the future. And saw what God could do through that. Yeah. And, and a key point to that is um, the author of Hebrews, which we could debate that for right. a, a long time. I'm just going to lay it out there personally. I don't think it was Paul. I'm just going to lay that foundation right there from the get-go. Um, the, the, the verbiage, the way he wrote, it just doesn't line up with Paul at all. Um, but that's neither here nor there. But anyway, the author of Hebrews... Um, the author of Hebrews ends chapter 11 by saying, though, this is paraphrasing, of course, but ends by saying that the thing that they sought after so uh, fervently, mm -hmm. they never attained. Right. But that never stopped them right. from pursuing it. Why? Because as you said, it's faith. Because as author of Hebrews demonstrates in 11.1, 1, faith is the... Um, uh, expectate or how's he word the it? substance of things the substance of things hope for the evidence of things not, not yet seen. seen right and that word um things hoped for hope uh, according i forget the exact greek word but hope there is literally to expect so hope is not a mere optimistic viewpoint as it's so defined today right. hope is not oh i wish it'll happen hope is no i firmly am persuaded right. to the point where i am actively looking for this thing to happen. Right. I may not know when, I may not know where, I may not know how, but I am, each moment of each day, right. I'm looking for it because I so expect it that I, there's no, there's nothing within me that says that it won't happen. Right. 
And that's what, even though, and the promise that, again, as he demonstrated leading into chapter 12 of Hebrews, the promise was fulfilled in Jesus, who mm-hmm. we now look to right. as the author and finisher of our faith. Right. Um, and they did, they did not attain that because they did not see him in their day. But they, even though, and this is incredible because the, the author of Hebrews dim, goes all the way back to, to patriarchs such as, such as Noah and, and mm-hmm. Abraham and Enoch. Right. People who had no, uh, at least from our understanding, have no real understanding of the incarnation right. of Jesus, of that plan. Right. Yet they had this, this level of faith that transcended their level of understanding. Right. And, and even though they didn't understand what exactly they, had, they, they, were, they were hoping for, they were right. expecting, they knew it was something beyond their present reality and then something that was in direct correlation to what he wanted to do. Right. And again, this all goes back to that relation, that relational right. aspect with him. Right. Because it was due to their relational standing, their relational foundation with right. him that that expectation was birthed out of. Right. Because again, in Hebrews eleven six, he says, uh, without faith it's impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to him must believe that one, he exists. Right. And two, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Right. Meaning, it, it, again, going back to relationship, relationship with God is built upon faith. Right. Why? Because God is spirit. He is not seen. John wrote in John one eighteen, no man has seen God at any time. Right. Um, and he, that, that truth is relayed all throughout the Bible. Um, and even Paul uh, implied that the, the first time the angels ever saw God was the incarnation. Right. Because it said, the, uh, you quoted that, great is the mystery of God. Right. Um, manifest in the flesh, seen of angels. Right. Implying that that was the first time. Um, and so the relationship with God is built upon faith. Mm-hmm. Um and so they had such great faith because in that great faith that was the foundation. Because again, substance, that word substance in Hebrew, it refers to the foundational or the bedrock of something. Right. So faith is the bedrock. Right. Faith is the foundation. And what is the foundation for is that relationship. Right. It's what it stands upon. And so when we talk about relationship with God, it... it, it <laughs> I'm rambling here, so... No, you're good. No, I, I'm going to shut up for a minute. You take over here for a minute. Relation, when you think about relationship, um, if you think about a, a, a grandpa, everything, every time a child is born, every time a uh, child is given away in marriage, every time somebody's added to the family, that changes who that person is. Right. Because now that person is a totality of everybody connected to them. Mm. So you mentioned earlier uh, that God's, as a part of God's plan, I believe that there's a part of God's plan that, that progresses relationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, in, in Hebrews, in the very end, it says, and these all having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promise. But in verse 40, it said, God having provided some better thing for us, that they, without us, should not be made perfect. So it's implying that there's, if I could use it this, this terminology, there was a baton that was passed. 
mm. from generation mm -hmm. to generation in hopes that we're going to make it to the end. Mm -hmm. We're going to get to the end of this thing where God is going to come back for his people. And that whole terminology of God coming back for his people was not even something that Moses or Noah, that mm -hmm. wasn't in their terminology at all. Mm -hmm. So again, as lineages and genealogies and everything progressed, we kept adding to the sum and totality of what this plan is. Yeah. And again, God knowing the end from the beginning, we're just looking from the end or from the beginning moving forward. Um, but if you look in Genesis chapter number, uh, I it's chapter number three or four, um, but it talks about when Adam and Eve, um, it said Eve bare a son. Uh, she bare Cain, and then Eve bare a son named Abel. It wasn't until she bare a son named Seth mm -hmm. that it used the word image again. That it said he was he was it was made in made in in, our, in their image, um, so it was that terminology that was not used, and it almost was a chaotic situation there. But then, when the order and the progression lineage, um, there was something relational there that that broke and moved forward. So, again, dominion, power, love. Um, the relationship that God wants to have with His with His people, with His children, um, being a child of God is no no little thing. It's no light matter. It's something that God has designed with such power and dominion to have in it. And dominion is is not something that we just look at and glance over. It's an immediate thing that happened right after it said, "Let us make man in our image and let us give him dominion." Right. So there was an inheritance, if you will, if I can use that word. Yeah. Absolutely. There was an inheritance that was given through the birthing of something. Mm -hmm. So there again, from the end to the beginning, as that lineage, as that plan unfolds, there is an inheritance that continually gets poured out and gets that dowry gets added to, that that inheritance gets built up, that there's just such wonderful things and talk it, we discredit just being a part of that small plan. If you have low self-esteem or low confidence in who you are in God, I mean, the psalmist said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That right. there is, yeah. you're a part of a plan. Mm -hmm. If not, you were you would never have been born. Yeah. So the idea that people can wipe somebody out, murders or abortion mm -hmm. or this, however you erase somebody from that plan, you are striking somebody from God's book, mm -hmm. from God's uh, eternal plan that was placed here for a reason. So it's just, it's a powerful thing to think about. Yeah. And, uh, and to that point, uh, so recently uh, I'm reading a, uh, a biblical commentary right now. And I, I, again, I'm hesitant to really say I recommend reading it because I haven't read all of it. And right. so I can't say that all of the content is good. Okay. And even what I've read so far, about, I would say about 95% of it has been good. But there have been one or two key like, things in it where eh, I don't know how much I agree with how he worded something. Right. But there is a biblical commentary by Dennis Prager okay. called The Rational Bible. And he does um, Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, and I believe... Leviticus as well. I think there's also okay. numbers floating around there somewhere, but I don't know how, if that's still... I know, I think numbers is no longer in circulation. But anyway, um, 
currently going through reading Genesis right now. And like I said, about 95% of what I've read has been very good. But one thing that he says that I really, really enjoy, that I really like how he worded, was that the existence of God gives creation meaning. If If there were not a God, life would have no purpose. There would be no life. Exactly, exactly. And, right. and, and so, and you know, a common question is, oh, what is the meaning of life? You know, that's, it's all dramatic. Like, what is right. my purpose? To put it plainly, the meaning of your life is God. Right. And the purpose of your life is God. Again, right. going back to that relationship that he you can't is... can't separate the two. No, and you, it, it's meant to be at the very center mm-hmm. of it. It's, everything is meant to revolve right. around it. And so when we you know approach the question, what is the purpose for my for my life? Your purpose, the purpose for your life is coming to alignment with God, to right. abide in a relationship with Him. Because if this is right, right, this will be right. And again, I know this is a podcast; you can't see what I just did, but I created a vertical line, pointing from the ground to to the sky. If this is right, implying right. the relationship between us and God. This will be right. A right. horizontal line connecting man to man. Right. Humanity to humanity. And we'll get into this in a future lesson. But this being right, this vertical mm-hmm. relationship sets the precedent for everything. Right. This sets the tone. This sets the key. If this isn't right, nothing's right. right. And again, going back to this truth about dominion, as you mentioned. Um, and I think a key point to that in, in talking about dominion is is to ensure, as we discussed a little bit earlier, to ensure that the truth of love right. is, is kept intertwined with that truth of dominion. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it, depending on how you interpret verbiage, you could easily misconstrue the idea of dominion and more so turn that into like domination or even abuse. Okay. Um, instead of, you know, because you can rule over something right. without dominating that thing. You can right. have dominion over a thing without abusing that thing. Right. But if your lens is wrong, if, right. if, if, if your approach is wrong, if your heart is wrong, which is why right. love has to be the center of that dominion because right. God created the things through love. Right. So if love is at the, not at the center of that dominion, it could easily become twisted. Right. Um, and this, you know, again, that truth is put all throughout the Bible. Um, uh, and one, one passage I think is a particular use is, is Paul. You know, advocating, it's, it's in Ephesians 4, I believe. Um, Demonstrating the importance of uh, government within the church, mm-hmm. fivefold ministry, the purpose of the fivefold ministry, laying out these things, um, and oftentimes, again, if the if the lens is wrong, right. if the heart is wrong, government can be oppressive right. rather than edifying. Right. It can be deconstructive rather than constructive. Right. And so, in that. In that setting, Paul says, speak the truth in love. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and truth, again, truth is something that can oftentimes be portrayed as harsh. 
Yeah. You know, you know the, we all do it as little kids where we, we, we say something to someone and we're like, oh, I'm just being honest. I'm just being truthful. But I think that we said is so mean. <laughs> it's so harsh. Right. There was, because there was no love in that truth. Right. Because while it may have been true, our heart was wrong. Right. And so we can seek to abide in this call of dominion, but mm -hmm. if our heart is wrong, then our action will be wrong. Right. And so in seeking dominion, again, okay, let's start right there. We should not seek dominion. We are given dominion. Given. Right. Um, and so if we, are, if we are seeking dominion, that automatically means we're probably doing it out of the wrong lens. Right. Probably have the wrong heart. Right. Because to say that we are seeking dominion will likely implies that we're seeking out of pride because we seek to be we seek to domineer we seek right. to dominate, but understanding that we are given dominion mm -hmm. again and operate through the heart of love, right. it then enables us to properly uh, operate in that dominion. Right. And what does that look like? Well, we could probably we could turn over to Genesis chapter two. Where it, the creation of man is more uh, specifically and detailed, detailedly um, convey. I just made up word detailedly. There it's, you go. It's all right. Yeah. Um, uh, conveyed for us, and, and and what does this look like? Um, well, God brought forth the create brought forth the animals, mm -hmm. and then brought them to Adam. Mm -hmm. And said, whatever you name them, this is what they will be. Meaning, whatever Adam spoke over them, right. that's what they became. Right. If the lens, if the heart that Adam was speaking out of was ill, was wrong, mm -hmm. whatever he spoke over them could have been destructive. Yes. It could have been death-giving. Right. But rather, he spoke over them dominion because right. he he told them what they were going to be right but because he did it through love there was life and there right. was identity and there was purpose right and that is the true essence of dominion is when you're able to look at something and say this is what you are this is what you're going to be but you do it through love and so life is brought right. forth purpose is brought right. forth identity is brought forth right and so when we speak about dominion, I think that that's a key thing to keep in keep in context. Yes, for sure. I mean, to just real quick, I got to get it out of my mind. I do wish that Adam would have named um, a dog a giraffe <laughs> because it would be fantastic to have giraffes as household pets. Um, but at the same time, um, it's amazing how everything. Like you were just, just talking about how everything can go back to the foundation of the order of submission. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not, if you're submitted to the flesh, if your flesh is not submitted to the spirit, but the spirit is invertly submitted to your flesh, then how you act is not going to be loving. Mm -hmm. um, where Paul said we forbear one another in forbearance, we, we serve one another. So there's things that people do that I don't necessarily like, but how I react to them mm -hmm. and how I treat them is still dictated by the word of God and by that relationship. How he named the animals and did that was out of love. Mm -hmm. Why? Because that was before sin came in and right. changed the order. Yes. So it was not rooted out of the flesh. It was rooted in the spirit. So when you understand the, uh, 
the order and how that does. The Bible tells us that the, and I'll wrap this up real quick. The Bible tells us that love covers the multitude of sins. Mm -hmm. right. That's not saying that it hides it or buries right. it. Right. It's saying it, it, it coats it with mercy and grace. Right. But real quick, just Isaiah 43 to the, the purpose, it says, For I have created him in, uh, for everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. I've created him for my glory. Mm -hmm. The reason for creation was to bring him glory. Right. So the lens in which you have to look at things is what brings him glory and how you bring that about. So I'll let you close out the episode. Well, I think that is a pretty perfect way to end this one. Uh, all things for his glory. I don't think you could really end on a better note right there. Um, almost like we planned it, but we didn't. Um, truly, we didn't plan that at all. Um, but we are quickly approaching our hour limit on this podcast episode. Um, so real quick, just want to wrap this up. Um, I think this is probably one of, if not the best discussion we've had so far. Uh, just based, based off how you know it felt in the moment. I, I hope and pray that you... Uh, enjoyed it and, and gleaned from it and learned from it and um, we will catch you in the next episode. God bless. Thank you again for joining in with us today. We don't take it lightly. We don't take it for granted. We know that we all have busy lives and the, the fact that you took time out of your day to join us and listen in with us, it it means so much to us. We pray that what was talked about today was a blessing to you and impacted you and made, made a difference in your life. And if it did, we would be so grateful and so appreciative if you shared this episode with someone you care about, a loved one, a family member, or a friend. It would mean the world to us. In Jesus' name, God bless.